The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. I don't like the sound of that. Jack, what is that? Do you hear that? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, that, that doesn't sound good. Of course I have my gun. I don't know if it's going to do much good against, um... Dust? Probably not. But, you know, I don't know what else to use at this point. Oh, let me just reach in my bag for, uh, cloud communication. No idea. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we are all set to continue our journey through Masks of Nyarlathotep. We are currently aboard the RMS Aquitania, heading from the fairport of New York City to Southampton, England, where our investigators will pick up the trail of the Carlisle Expedition. With me tonight, I have to my right, this is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and dinner did not quite go as expected. Yeah, dinner was definitely a huge concern. Um, windows shattering, crazy black dust storms everywhere, and um, general howling and, and malcontents around. Uh, and then to her right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And uh, the dinner was definitely the most exciting part of my evening. <laughs> Definitely. But the night is uh, not over. And then uh, last but most certainly not least. Tiffany, and I'm playing Maeve O'Shea, and I did some studying. You did? Oh, did you find out anything interesting? A little bit. Good. Uh, so as we raise the curtain tonight, we are going to enter the stateroom, the, the room, I should say, of... Uh, one, Dr. Sigmund Tottenbach. Doctor, you've returned after the dinner, after trying to clear your mind and your body of all of the cobwebs and associated glass or you know, various food particles that may have fallen on you during the, the debacle there. Uh, you've returned to your room to settle in. You stop just out of uh, maybe habit. You stop outside Lawrence's room and you grab the hand to go check on your patient and you pause. Because you realize that Lawrence isn't there anymore. I, yeah, pause briefly, wait for the moment of surreality to pass. Maybe knock on his door one time, just, just in case. Sure knock on the door it you kind of knock on the door and then realize that the staff is still has the room locked um, but you don't hear any report from the door at all you don't hear any, anyone reply to your knock with a sigh I turn and head back to my quarters your room is still as spacious and as roomy as uh, it's ever been uh, one of the things that you're appreciative about as far as Miss Lane's travel arrangements are is if you don't look out the window, you really don't have to remind yourself that you're thousands of miles from any shore 
and that you're not, you know, riding in a vessel on massively deep waters. Floating above the inky darkness. You find yourself going towards the uh, complimentary bottle that the staff placed in your room yesterday. I'm quite glad that they they restocked my room then, because, yeah, I think I'm going to have a bit of a nightcap before I turn in. Nothing major. Oh, no, no, you you find it completely sensible. It makes sense. It's a fortifying drink to make sure that all is still well within you. Natural for any adult man to steady himself with a bit of uh, good alcohol. It's better than you could have gotten back stateside, that's for sure. Um, You pour the drink and you find yourself perusing the walls here of their um, decorations, different paintings. It's interesting that the Aquitania doesn't have pictures of anything at sea. Everything here is a reminder of what's on land. See a painting that's of a rolling grassy field. It almost reminds you of a field you've walked in as a boy. Um, There are some subtle differences. The styles of trees are a little different. You do see one picture here hung up in the room. It has a... It's a a picture of part of the Aquitania uh, and its deck layout. And you remember from what the staff had said, the last time that Mr. Forsyth was seen, he was seen on the deck late at night. Trying to do my best to banish the thought of him being out in that cold, inky water out there. I maybe tie off the one that I'm drinking and pour myself another smaller drink. It almost seems like that with that second drink, it almost seems unfair that He'd, he'd gone out there and just suddenly vanished. It doesn't make sense to you. Your logical side of your brain, perhaps fortified by the alcohol, is just not fuming, but just it's struggling greatly to understand the science of any of it. Maybe take out my journal and write a little bit about my medical journal, write a little bit about what I'm what I'm experiencing on the ship. You jot a couple of notes down. If nothing else, uh, you think that in the future they might assist you if anything comes back around. Hard to say what became of him. The room, you take some general notes on the pictures of the still in fresh in your mind of the dark spots on the bed and on the wall. You hear a uh, bell outside on the deck ring a few times. It draws your attention to the window again. And you see just passing by on the deck you see a rather short man. Uh, you saw him at dinner. Mr. Doyle talked to him. You see him wandering on the deck. A cat under his arm taking in the night air. Does the cat seem displeased to be there? Um, give me a spot hidden. 86 over 70. It is probably too dark. It's a little too dark to see what's happened. But from your last impressions of that man with the cat, it didn't seem like the cat was very fond of him maybe do some medical reading before I turn in for the evening. Or try to, anyway. Okay. You do a little medical reading and you actually um, come upon um, an interesting case of uh, in one of the journals of uh, leprosy. It piques your interest for a good half an hour. Turning to you this lane. After dinner, after your um, unfortunate dinner date with uh, Mr. Taft, the rest of the group had decided to, to disperse uh, and to head to their quarters. 
What do you think Miss Lane would have done with the balance of her evening? Um, she probably would have done the same thing. Um, after the day that she had already had, she was already she's already significantly tired, more than usual at this time. So you'd have gone to your quarters and just tried to relax, or do you think you'd head directly to bed? I probably would have drawn a bath or something um, to relax. It's been a long day. It's feeling still feeling a little shaky from not only this morning's bright and early activities, but you know the incident in the dining hall. Yeah, the incident in the dining hall for sure uh, would have would have probably taken a little bit out of you. Yep. You draw a bath, and you while it's not very large, you do find a way to get into the bath here, given your relative small size. The water seems to be warm enough, and you relax for probably a good, I don't know, half an hour at least, unless you're taking any extended relaxation. Nope, but half an hour and, you know, until the water cools off enough that it makes me want to get out. Yeah, you get to that point where the water is about to get cold. And you know that it's coming in a minute or two, and so you begin to prepare yourself to get out. I find, I'm assuming I find my robe next to the bath, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yep, all manner of, uh, you know, pleasant textiles are available for your skin, whether it be robes and etc. Or you have a towel to put your hair up in if that's what you'd like to do, or... Um, Yep, that makes sense. I, I get up to step out of the, the bath and toss a robe around me and put my hair in a towel. There's a knock at your door. Of course there is. I yell out, I'll be there in a second. I hurriedly finish covering myself up appropriately. Before I open the door, I, I do it, you know, I ask who is at the door, so. You hear a fairly moderate um, to low tone voice say Miss Lane my name is Mr. Wild and since I wasn't at dinner with Jack and them until after the cloud came I probably don't know that he spoke to Mr. Wild nope okay I opened the door slightly um, just a couple inches what can I do for you Mr. Wild you open the door you see a and with a, a bit of a yellowish tint to his skin, he was wearing a proper hat. Uh, it seems to it seems to be a little bit wider uh, than the common style here. You see that uh, he's clutching in his hand uh, a cat, uh, and you see that the cat, while reasonably well groomed, does not appear as if it likes being held. Uh, you can see that it's tensing a bit under his. Uh, under his gaze, under his other arm, he has a book. So he has a cat in his left hand, in his left arm, uh, and then in his right hand, he has a book. I do apologize for the late call. When he looks at you, you get this sense that he's far older than you perceive him to be. He looks like he's in his maybe. 50s or 60s perhaps but his eyes are something that are, are remarkably deep I hope that I haven't startled you it's not my intention no I just don't believe we've ever met before we haven't but I'd like to talk to you if I might for a moment uh, about your family specifically about your father Okay. Um, I opened the door wider. I, I, mm. on alert, obviously. Um, but I opened the door to let him come in. If you'd like, you can roll psychology and try to ascertain his relative um... intentions. <laughs> it's not my thing. But at sixteen out of ten. Right, so 16 um, over 10. Uh, you could spend the 6 luck if you wanted to to make it a success. No, it's okay. We're fine. Okay. Uh, you don't really feel any sort of threatening 
um, aura from him. He doesn't seem to be, uh, he's also not, he doesn't seem to be very physically built. He's not physically well built. He's a fairly average man, if not a bit small. Uh, although he does seem to have longer arms than you would expect. Uh, but he doesn't seem to be physically intimidating. Okay. I open the door, you know, wider and, you know, would you like to come in? Yes, of course. Um, I'm happy to wait here in the hall if you'd like to get dressed first. It's going to take me a little bit longer. <laughs> Very well. Um, uh, he steps, he begins to step in. If you're all right with it, I'm all right with it. That, that's fine. You do have, just so you're aware, you do have one of the biggest rooms on the vessel. So you not only have a bedroom, but you have a segmented spot for like a table and four chairs and a place for people to sit. So you do have a, basically a multi-room suite here. I lead him over to the table. Um, would you like to put your, your, you know, your cat and book down? Or? Oh, uh, yes, if you don't mind. Uh, he sets the cat on the table. The, the cat hisses at him and kind of claws at his hand a little bit. Um, and he reacts a bit and, and kind of gives the cat a, a bit of a wicked grin. At, uh, that cat, I tell you, it, it enjoys its games. Doesn't like water travel. Doesn't like the sea at all. He sets the book down on the table. I was going through this book and I noticed that your family's name is in it. And I was wondering if you could help me connect some dots. Do I see the book cover name or anything? Yeah, you do, absolutely. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Imperial Dynasty of America. You've never heard of it before. How big is the book? It doesn't look too terribly thick. Just from the edges, you can see that the pages are pretty well worn. It looks like there's a bit of a, a yellowing to them. It almost, oddly, it almost matches his skin a little bit uh, as far as the, the tint of it. It looks like this book was written a little while ago. Maybe it's seen some better days, or maybe it's sat in uh, the window, a window somewhere and picked up a bunch of sun. I was hoping to speak with you, Father, and uh, perhaps nail, uh, getting some specifics on where he was from. Like within the United States, or? Oh, no, no, no. I, I understand that your family hails from Philadelphia. That's a matter of public record. There's no secret there. But from what I can trace, your family is from, is it? originally from England? As far as I know. Th does your book say something different? Oh no, the book comes from England. It's interesting, it looks like it's the county of Surrey. I'm just trying to verify it. You have to understand it's this is a very important work. He opens up the book and begins kind of leafing through the pages. What you can see is beyond the text uh, you can actually see a lot of uh, symbols in there. There's almost like heraldry. Uh, what is the importance of your book? He you know, sticks a, a thumb in the book and closes the cover for a moment. The importance, Miss Lane, is knowing who rightly inherits America. And I believe that the Lane family may have some claim inherit it in what way because uh, America's a democracy <laughs> yes of course it is of course it is do you by chance have anything to drink here I do I have some alcoholic beverage or some water either will do I just need to track a last few passages here in the book I want to make sure that we're clear now your father and his family came here from England. He opens the book back up, Morgan, and you can see uh, he flips the pages, uh, and you see, you know, as I mentioned before, different sort of family crests as he goes. And you see uh, there is a picture on one of them, and it says in bold letters, Lane. 
you see a family shield. And on the right and the left-hand side of it, you see the Scottish flag, which is the blue background, white X. And you see the uh, flag, the one of the British flags, uh, that is. Uh, and you see a whole probably page or so paragraph on uh, the Lane family and where it came from and uh, some of its specific instances of use. And there's all sorts of years and dates and, and whatnot on it. Can I see the earliest year it came from, like it was started? Oh, yeah, its origin date? Yeah. So this origin date has it at in the uh, in the 7th century. And that is uh, Lanu, L-A-N-U. Um, and it looks like its modern common use was around 1212 in the county of Surrey, as he'd mentioned. But then they also see other offshoots of it that could be uh, Anglicanized versions of a, a Gallic name uh, with L-A-I-N-E in the spelling. And then that would be introduced after 1066, given the Battle of Hastings and all the stuff that happened uh, after that massive battle. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely interesting. And then the, the, they even list at the bottom the first recorded spelling of the family name was uh, Ralph de la Lane, which was dated 1176. And he was part of the pipe rolls of Kent, so to speak, during uh, King Henry's reign. I walk over to the side table and I get him a glass of water because it's late and, and I bring it back to him. And So what exactly is your duty with this book? Like, what is your title? Oh, well, I use the book to set things right. He takes a bit of water from the cup. You see, I have a very specific job, people. I have used my talents for many years to fix things. Such as? Oh, um, their reputations. I assist in correcting the record for uh, the, the socially um, powerful to make sure that the record uh, of them in the pages and annals of society is properly recorded. You could say I'm a repairer of reputations. And why are you worried about my family in particular? Oh, well... I'm concerned that you weren't given your due. I'm concerned that your father is unaware that he may be in line to be part of the Imperial Dynasty of America. What is this Imperial Dynasty? I, I, I apologize for the questions, but I'm just trying to understand. Oh, no, no, I understand. Um, what? To sum up, as it is late, and I apologize again, to sum up, it, this book helps set forth the future of what America will be, not just the past. In it, I make sure that the rightful heirs to America's dynasty have the ability to claim their crown when it is time. And you're talking via political power or just power, period. Isn't power also political power? I don't know if it always goes hand in hand, but sure. Hmm. Uh, if memory serves correctly, your father's a fair, uh, a philanthropist. He assists in many different areas, not to mention his own dealings in the horse business, yes? Correct. So a far um, stretch from his you know, ancestors who dealt as uh, simple horse traders and blacksmiths. He's come a long way, yes? Yes, yes. He, he has done his he's hard He's been a hard worker. What if I told you, Miss Lane, that your father was due more than he had? But how would he be due more? I mean, it's not just handed out to him. Or it wouldn't be, would it? Oh, well, no, of course not. But he could be part of something astonishingly different something the society in America has never seen or hasn't seen yet what's that well it's a re-envisioning of what America is it's going to take place one day 
If not, soon. What does that re-envisioning involve? Would you like to see? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, kind of raise an eyebrow at him. Sure. He turns the book around so that you can actually read it. He flips to a few pages and then opens it up so that you can see a large, wide, kind of double-page drawing. And on this double-page drawing, you see uh, the text here seems to be, uh, maybe it's the late hour, um, but the words here are a little bit, uh, it's almost as if the script that was used is hard to read. Why don't you make me a sanity roll? You're going to want to succeed at this. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, James. I'm I'm just here to help. That's what I do. Oh, my God. What did I just say? <laughs> 93 out of 50. Oh, my God. I'm going crazy. Yeah, so, so that's a failure. Um, So you are going to lose. You're going to lose two points of sanity. Well, that's not terrible. And this is how. Uh, what you witness in this book is the ink from the outside edges begins to shift and form words. It comes from the left and it comes from the right, and the ink pools in different places and runs into these what seemingly are blank pages. When it does, it forms symbols, heraldry, shields, different names, and then at the center, at the top, you see the winding curves of that L and then the A and N and E. And as it forms, you see the symbol of your own family name become embossed on this paper and it goes down. Klein goes down heavy and black and you see your mother and your father's name. And from your mother and your father's name, you see your family. And then one by one, these lines that your mother and your father have spread off their children go in different directions and yours goes straight towards the bottom until it intersects with another one and that name that it intersects with is Kennedy and then you begin to slowly branch out down from there you see in these visions of ink faces faces of people you've never met children you've never seen And it becomes this roaring kind of cornucopia of emotion, pitfalls, and the mountaintops. And you come to, stunned at what you've seen, and sit at the table alone with your hands still open, clutching a book that no longer rests in it. Is the guy and the cat gone? Yeah, they're gone. I had some more questions for him. I look around a little, obviously, shaken up, not knowing what just happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's at this time I go pour myself an actual drink. <laughs> um, what time is it? Uh, it's about 11.45 at this point. I take my drink and I go sit in one of the the chairs. Not the, not the kitchen. Not the kitchen. The not a regular dining chair, but something with a softer back. You, there's a there's a small sofa in your room. I go and relax or sit down on that. And... Okay, I'll leave you there. Miss O'Shea, how would you spend the post-dinner era? Well, since I figured out what book I should be looking in to figure out the smell and stuff, and we smelled it again... At dinner, I'm going to look more closely at that book. Mm. Um, Okay. Because I want to figure out um, why, like, what maybe it pertains to and, like, why someone would be after um, Lillian. Because I think we figured out that spell, yeah, is, like, transform self. Yep. But maybe I can look into it more to see, like, why somebody would go particularly after her or if there's more reference on what it can do. 
So you're fairly certain that there are some, you're smart enough, there are some obvious reasons why someone would go after Lillian. Well, uh, just she's, because she's rich, but I mean, we're far enough away right now, like, that I, I can't really see some, I guess. Give me an idea roll. I'll see if you can um, remember this. Idea? Yeah, that's fine. Just roll at you. 23 out of 70. Awesome. So with a hard success on Edu, you remember a little factoid that you'd heard on the train ride up to Arkham. And it must have been when you were half passed out from having experienced everything that you experienced when you read Africa's Dark Sex. You remember hearing Lillian's voice mention that she'd been to Arkham before and that there had been some incident there. And you also remember little touchstones along your time already with her that she said the ability to deal with some of the things that you've encountered far better than anyone who's never experienced that stuff before. Mm. And she'd also talked about how Jackson Elias had helped her in some way at school or, or she'd had some sort of something had happened to her at Arkham when she was at the university. Maybe it wasn't Elias. Maybe you're misremembering. But there is something in her past that you don't know about. And it, and it, there's just enough mystery about it that it, it kind of sets your brain a buzz that it's something mystical that she doesn't want to talk about. Okay. Well, that is a conversation for some time at not midnight. Or however late it is. Uh, for you currently, uh, it is about 11 o'clock. Yeah. Because uh, I've learned that uh, a lot of my fellows do not keep the same hours. I do. So I will, like, jot down myself a note to make sure that I remember to talk to her in the morning. Because inevitably, otherwise, something else will happen and I'll totally forget. Okay. You do a little bit more reading into this black stuff that you'd found. Um, And you come to some interesting conclusions. One is, you think whatever it is, this residue that was left over uh, was something that Lawrence had on him. Okay. Okay. You begin to kind of go through all the things that you know Forsyth kept on him. And pretty quickly you come to only a couple available things. Um, there's the stone that he had on him. You also know that he is a, a man who occasionally travels with firearms. So maybe it's uh, maybe this stuff is uh, gunpowder and you just don't know. You don't have a chemistry set here, so you can't test it. Right. Um, it would kind of... Su- or the blackened part of the, you know, furniture in the wall, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough one. You'd have to get a chemistry set to really test it out, but the smell is something that isn't gunpowder related at all. It almost smells woodsy and, um, and like frankincense. It's like, it's almost not a church smell per se, but it's got, some sort of ritual quality to it. If um, if you stay up for a little while to get those uh, deductions down with your education, by the mm-hmm. pro- by the time you get to the bottom of that, it's probably midnight. Okay, then I will go to bed. Okay. Uh, breakfast arrives for the three of you uh, a little bit earlier than um, probably about seven or so. Um, Jack had mentioned that he was going to check some things out. You don't see him at breakfast right away. But uh, but you do have the dining area that they've kind of cordoned off for you. The uh, staff here have managed to uh, seal up the windows that were broken. Uh, they haven't put new glass in by any means, but they've sealed them up so that way it's not uh, exposed to the winds of the sea. And it's very gray today outside when you take your breakfast. So we'll, uh, the three of you uh, 
sit down to uh, have breakfast together. Guten Morgen, ladies. How will be this fine day? Okay. I'm okay as well. I look around the room. Do I see Mr. Wild anywhere in the dining room, Mike? You do not. Hmm. You do not. Lillian, I had a question to ask. So what exactly happened to you when you were at Arkham? Like, what weirdness happened? Because that thing we saw in the dining hall was coming for you. You also kind of have been rolling with the punches of whatever we're finding. So something happened to you. I was mid-drink on my coffee and I kind of stop and I, I look at Maeve. I put on my cup. You can tell us, Miss Lane. You don't need to be embarrassed or ashamed or anything. I'm not trying to be accusatory. What I'm trying to do is trying to figure out what may be after you in particular or the best way to protect us all. I'm not the best sharer. I get that. But, you know, I guess it's up to you to decide if it's relevant for us to know. But somebody's coming for you. So when I attended Miskatonic um, a few years ago, um, there was an incident. Um, Some students were... Some students had a ghoul locked up in the basement and were feeding it. Other people? Yes. The ghoul got out when I was down there and tried chasing me down. Obviously, the ghoul did not catch me as I'm here today. Thus began began my, uh, my adventure into the world of the unknown, which is how I got connected with Jackson Elias. I gesture to to Miss O'Shea. Go ahead. By all means. So then what was your connection to Jackson? He kind of, he helped me understand our world a little bit better. The, the world that people don't see. That there's you know, mysteries out there that not necessarily normal people get to experience. He helped me understand what I saw in the basements. Obviously, the, the teachers and administrative staff kept everything under wraps. And after that happened, that's when other things came to light about myself as well. Like what we saw the other day. Correct. So, um, I traveled after school was done I to learn more about the world. I, I, I put that in quotes. The world. <laughs> and, you know, spoke with Mr. Elias. Various times, um, and yeah, he was a uh, good friend. Yeah, he was for us too. Well, at least for me. So maybe it is just because you're rich. Speaking of being rich, as a matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out who here would have taken the time to follow you onto a boat to another continent to try and harm you. Well, there might be one person. I had a visitor last night after we all went, you know, after our, our ex escapades in the dining room. Um, it was a gentleman, older gentleman with a cat. I don't know if you've seen him yet. Yeah, I've seen him. I have seen him around. Mr. Wild is his name. He paid me a visit last night. He wanted to talk about my father which I thought was unusual, but um, he had a book with him. It was called, it was called the Imperial Dynasty of America. It was a, a large, you know, not a really big book, but it was really old looking, really worn. Um, it, it seems like he was record keeping um, different families. Like, um, like my family was in there and it went back several centuries it looked like I didn't get a chance to ask him a lot of questions about it but 
when he asked me if I wanted to see what what it was about, what the what the future of America could look like, I guess um, he turned the page, and it was just the oddest thing. The ink started running, um, lines started automatically being created. I could see my family's name, the family crest. Um, it showed my name intersecting with somebody with the name Kennedy. I I don't even know anybody with the name Kennedy. I, and it showed people's faces and names I've never met. And then all of a sudden I came to and him and his cat and his book were gone. And here I am. But I really think we need to go find him. Because I'd like yeah. to speak to him. I'd like to speak to him again. But um, I think his... Like yeah. I, I, his future for America isn't really the democratic future that I see, I think. Hmm. And I, I think he's much older than what he looks like because my feeling is that he's the originator of that book. But maybe not. But still, an amazing mystery. Perhaps we should look it up. Yeah. Oh, I think he has answers that he, that he needs to give us. Well, since you are the one that got all the first class and stuff, you should be able to ask somebody where his room is, where he's at. I mean, you can't really miss a dude with a cat. That cat was not very nice to him. I think there's something with the cat, too, honestly. But, yes, um, I, as soon as breakfast is over, I will ask one of the ship's crew. Yeah, breakfast tastes really good. When you finish, are you going to go seek someone out? Yes. Should we accompany her, Miss O'Shea? Sure. Offer Miss O'Shea my elbow. <laughs> I will take it. And we can follow her. Are you guys skipping while you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Quite the opposite. I'm watching the deck and <laughs> looking at the walls, <laughs> avoiding looking at the open sea. <laughs> I don't think the doctor skips anywhere. He doesn't really skip so much, no. There's the, the whole hobbling thing. Is, is yeah, Kind of amble or shimmy at best. You find a ship steward, so someone, a crew assistant. They're all over the place on the first class deck. Uh, it's a relatively younger, bright, blonde-haired uh, gentleman with a smart blue coat, um, gold buttons. He's uh, just standing, uh, not at attention per se, but he's standing in the dining area near one of the exits to be available. I walk over to him. Um, sir, I have a question for you. Uh, yes, ma'am. How can I help you? I'm looking for one of the guests on the on the ship. Um, he is also in first class, I assume. Um, his name is Mr. Wild. Uh, he can be seen carrying a cat. He looks a bit puzzled. Okay, uh, I apologize. Ma'am, who, who did you ask for? I'm looking for Mr. Wild. He's a... Older gentleman, wears a hat, has a cat, mm -hmm. usually under his arm. Cat. Give me one moment. Let me see if I can uh, locate him for you. Um, I'll be right back. Thank you. Probably a couple minutes pass, and you see uh, someone that uh, you guys met not but, I don't know, a day ago? Uh, you see uh, Deckhand Willard come into the dining area. He was one of the uh, deckhands that uh, you dealt with when you found that Foresight was missing. Uh, apologies, Miss Lane. How can I help you? I'm looking for one of your guests, Mr. Wild. He stopped by my quarters last night with his cat, and I was just looking to follow up with him about our discussion. Man with a cat, you say, huh? Uh, we don't have anyone with a cat on board, as far as I'm aware. Do you have anybody named Mr. Wild? He um, takes out a pocket notebook, closes it, I have no first-class passengers named Wild. You sure he was first-class? Um, my compatriots here have seen him here. It is possible, of course, that some of the uh, second-class or steerage-class passengers may have gotten into this area. He has a firm look of disapproval at the thought. He didn't look second or third or... Second class or steerage. 
He was in in the dining hall with us last night. Did you say that? Yeah. Deckhand turns to you. You're certain? Yeah. You can't miss a guy with a cat. Especially one that's like biting his hand. Yeah, the cat did not like him at all. Deckhand turns to the gentleman, the, the blonde gentleman, and says, uh, go get... Go get the chef. We'll sort this out rather quickly. Uh, you see, not but maybe a minute later, a man in a chef's outfit comes out. A hat, the whole thing. Uh, he looks like he was busy. Uh, chef Daniel, which is on his, pretty visible on his uniform. He uh, nods to everyone here. Uh, the... Uh, Checkmate says, Chef, did you have a man in here? Would you say he was uh, shorter? You said he had a cat with him? Yes. The chef looks a little bit. Um, he doesn't. He, he looks upset at the thought of there being a cat on in the dining room. Uh, the chef shakes his head. No, there's been no. I've we've not made anything for a cat. No. Did you do you know where he sat? I'll, uh, because I remember I, uh, I looked up and, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Doyle talking to him. So hmm. I will point to the area or whatever. Okay. The, uh, chef goes over and he turns and looks at the table and then takes a few steps, comes back to the deckhand. Hmm. I haven't seen anyone sat at that table for days. So you're telling me we all hallucinated this person? No, ma'am. I would never uh, insinuate that you were hallucinating. As he shakes his head, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, actually, he looks, quite frankly, the chef looks concerned. Like, that he's offended you. I, uh, I simply, I can only tell you what I know. I, I... I do not know who you speak of. Well, we appreciate your, your assistance with this, Chef. Um, we know you have a lot of work to do. Of course. If there is anything else I can be assistance with, please do not hesitate to ask. The, uh, the, the kitchen is here for any of your requests. Thank you. The uh, deckhand turns back to the three of you. Uh, my apologies, Miss Lane. I, I'll check our records for the uh, standard births, the second-class births, and I'll even inquire, see if anyone else has seen a man with a cat. I would appreciate that. He actually spoke with one of our um, compatriots the other night, uh, the gentleman that disappeared. Hmm. Really? Well, that it's imperative that we figure out who this person is, especially given that your compatriot is missing. Yes. Thank you. Any information you can find would be helpful. I'll have it to you as, as soon as I can find it. Great. The deckhand leaves uh, in a, uh, seem, seemingly on a mission. I turn to Maeve and Doctor. What in the world? Yeah, I mean, you, it's not mass hysteria. It's ridiculous. No, but it seems to me that someone who perhaps has a book with qualities like you have described perhaps may have other abilities to only be seen by a few people or to remove himself from the memories of others with everything that we have seen up to this point it's you know no stretch of the imagination but one of the deckhands saw mr wilde talking to mr forsyth like he even described him as a man with a cat yeah and now they don't remember him or have never seen him before there is just something really odd going on. I mean, there's always something really odd going on, but this is just really odd. And if he's got a book like that, who's to say he doesn't know? Um, now, this is out of character, because correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that it was me and the doctor that were working on when I found out what that spell does, correct? Or was yep. that me and Jake? Yeah. Okay. I think it was you and the doctor who were going over it because... The two of you have more of the educational, science-based skills. Right, yep. right. Okay. So, anyways. um, So, if he has a book like that, 
then I think that he would know something about the spell that the doctor and I found has similar ingredients to the stuff we found in Forsyth's room and also would coincide with what we saw last night at dinner. I concur, Miss O'Shea. Is there any way you can look in your books for... I uh, I don't have a better word term other than spells that can that use the items that you smell we we smelled in the the cloud. Yeah, that's the that's the spell we were talking about. Oh, it's, got it. Um, yeah, trans. As far as we can tell, it can transform you maybe into some smoky kind of. I mean, I have to do more research. It's kind of you know vague. But yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, I can link that spell to the mist, the black misty, whatever we saw, to the alchemy agents we found in Forsyth's room. And the only other weird that has happened is this guy. When that black cloud was in the dining area last night, do you remember if you still saw Mr. Wild and his cat? No, I was kind of focused on it and noticed that it moved directly towards you. I noticed that as well. Well, I mean, the best we can do is maybe the doctor and I can uh, try and study that powder some more and figure out exactly what's in it. Because I have a feeling that that residue is originally something that Forsyth had on him. But I can't figure out what. That would make sense. So, as long as the uh, doctor is willing to lend a hand in his chemistry set again, we can try and break this down some more. Anytime, my dear, of course. And maybe you can, uh, Lillian, you can uh, use your leverage to uh, get people talking. Because, I mean, money talks, I guess. Like, So, if you get angry at their service and you say that you're going to tell people not to... Uh, use this boat again, I'm sure somebody will find something. Yeah, let's see what they come back with first, and then I might cause a huff if they just toss our uh, questions away. Channel your inner Karen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Miss um, O'Shea, and then Sigmund, you're going to go and go to the chemistry set? Absolutely. We're gonna blow things up. I mean, we're gonna go look at this stuff. And then blow things up. And then blow things up. Okay. So why don't you um, tell me how you're going to attempt to ascertain what it is? What skills will you put to use? What skills? I was going to use my pharmacy skill. So pharmacy. And then I guess if you're going to assist him, Miss O'Shea, what skill would you use to assist him? I guess if he can figure out what the chemical is, I can find the occult, you know, um, connection to it. Natural world? Cthulhu mythos? You can make a Cthulhu mythos roll if you want on the material, sure. I I'm sure I'll fail. You never know. I did! <laughs> I made Boom. it! Boom. 10 out of 20. That's a hard success on a Cthulhu mythos roll. <clears throat> We'll, we'll we'll just hold on to that for a second. Uh, <laughs> Do I have like a house moment, you know, where he's like tossing his ball and all of a sudden he stops and he like figures out the thing? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yes, yeah, so maybe you pop six Vicodin and suddenly solve the problem. Yeah, well, you know. Oxycontin or whatever, Percocets. Just dose up with some Soma. Take a Soma. You'll be fine. Ooh, Soma. Wrong game. Doctor, I see that your uh, your pharmacy is a success. Wonderful. Uh, so you put the powder, the residue, through a ton of different chemical tests. And then, Miss O'Shea, you go to one of your um, guidebooks, so to speak, uh, and you actually go back into the Noctic manuscripts um, because you've done some initial readings of them and you thought that there might have been something useful in them that might pertain to something like this, this powder, this residue. And it seems 
that this powdery residue is a derivative of a incantation known by occultists and spellcasters of uh, the highest order. Uh, this seems to be a powder which is derived from uh, the bones of long dead and ancient creatures that once roamed the land. It's written uh, about in the Noctic manuscripts uh, in direct correlation to something that came out of Egypt, one of the lost eras of Egypt. This powder is uh, a blackened powder that when hardened and fired in uh, kilns can create crystalline forms. And then those crystalline forms can be infused with something that the text says are life essences. You're not sure what that means specifically. It could be the the translation. You're not really sure. Uh, But once formed in these crystals, it allows the wearer to project themselves to different places at different times. And if they know how to use the hardened crystalline form of this powder uh, they could potentially be multiple places at once it it says here in the record that the the Egyptians uh, learned this talent from ancient texts that were recovered from Atlantis again it speaks of Atlantis in the uh, Noctic manuscripts as well but that's what your role reveals so whatever the specific powder is there is some sort of ritual that crystallizes it and allows people to traverse vast distances. I'm going to take out my crystal, well, my stone thing. Sure. Can I, like, chip, like, a corner of it off or something? Um, no, you can't. When you take the crystal out, all of the ambient powder in the tube, the test area that you and Sigmund are working on, all of it lifts immediately like a magnet off the tray itself and forms a direct beeline to your stone. It hovers there in midair. That's what I thought. And it seems to try to collect on the pointed edge of your crystal. Like it wants to be in contact with it, but it can't reach it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and like catch that like take the powder away so we can hold on to it separate from the crystal or okay. the stone. How are you trying to catch it? Like with your hand or Yeah, in my hand or if we have a dish mm-hmm. or, you know. You go to like catch it in your hands and the powder literally seeps through your finger like the the gaps in your fingers. And it continues to try to collect there. Okay. Well I'll leave it for now, but I will turn to the doctor. So, remember how I said I was pretty sure it was something that was on him? I think it's his crystal. Or his stone. Whatever these things are. It is possible. Especially with what you have turned up already. That is a distinct possibility. Pull out, um, uh, reach into my doctor's bag and pull out my stone. Bring it over next to the floating dust. Does it react the same? So it forms something that you've uh, seen in books before. Uh, It forms a dowsing rod shape. Okay. So you get a definitive Y between the two of them. This might help us find him. It is a distinct possibility. I cannot say. This is well beyond my sphere of experience. I think, well, uh, how about this? Wouldn't you be interested on where this would send us? what it would find? Oh, very much so. But I don't know that we could get back, or if we would enjoy where we went. Well, what I'm saying is, if it's if this is like a dowsing rod, then it should lead us to somewhere. So it's either going to be a gate to Mr. Forsyth or to Mr. Wild. Or something that'll eat us. But that's an outside possibility. It is a possibility. And right now it is the only explanation that we have. Sweet. So let's go follow this. Let us follow. 
that's the plan you're gonna go follow it yep well it's okay. it's my plan I mean so I mean why <laughs> I mean why wouldn't everyone just jump right in and do exactly what you're doing because right. you know, they want to go crazy too hey but I know lots now <laughs> yes just enough to be dangerous um, okay, so I think that that is a perfect place to call it for the evening. The two of you move a bit towards the door with those two stones acting as, a, you know, two legs of a dowsing rod. And you're prepared to walk out <laughs> into the hallway of the ship with these two stones. Uh, so I want to call it there for the evening. I think it's an awesome picture to leave everybody with. Thank you so much for listening. We can't say it enough. We'll say it every session. Um, we look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>